0: be a winner if you go to the golden ticket sweepstakes so check it out onit.com/ slash golden ticket and then enter the code and fill in the entry form there's going to be a grand prize for one of you which is going to be a trip out here to austin and on an hq so you'll be able to come hang at the hq and do all the awesome on it things so definitely check it out go to onitcom slash golden dash ticket and get your 30 count or 90 count bottle of alpha brain before we get started i want to talk about on new grass-fed whey protein Now, having a grass-fed whey protein at your house is really one of the essential things for a proper weight management program if you're looking for gains or if you're just looking to support yourself with adequate nutrition. It has a complete amino acid profile, meaning no matter how many muscles you break down, you're going to be recovering and supporting yourself with that full amino acid profile. Plus, being grass-fed, it comes from Happy Cows. These cows are in New Zealand. They do the haka. They're having a great time. And you know that you're not supporting the cow industrial complex. The flavors are awesome. We have a vanilla flavor. That's one of my favorite flavors to blend in any kind of smoothie, even really simple smoothies with just berries, almond butter, and the grass-fed way, water, ice, and it's delicious. And then we have a chocolate flavor that I blend in all kinds of things, smoothies as well, but also teas and coffees. To just add that additional protein support these come in big ass tubs the pricing is right the flavor is right the sourcing is right and it's just a product that everybody should have in their pantry so definitely check ours out on it.com slash aubrey and lock in your 10 percent My friend, Dr. Chris Ryan, is a man who probably needs no introduction. He's the author of the book, Sex at Dawn. He's been on the Joe Rogan Experience, and we even did a podcast a long time ago on my iPhone, but he's been a friend for quite some time, and it was great to drop in with him in this conversation. We explore all the topics that are near and dear to our heart, including those covered in his book, Sex at Dawn, and some of those covered in his new book, Civilized to Death. I think you guys are going to love it. Tune in. Let us know what you think dr chris ryan <laughs> <He's> <laughs> what's up man, my friend not, not much. how's it going it's going pretty good it's man. good to be here yeah it's your little home away from home i know right little little studio here we got set up um so man it's been a long time since you've been on the podcast and i owe you so many fuck yous and thank yous fuck yous and thank <laughs> yeah, yous yeah. that's and great I figured they, like, they go together I figured like you're one of the people who probably gets more of both of those than anything because your book sex at dawn it either elicits one or the other like you don't really yeah. get a lot of. Oh yeah. yeah, that was interesting. Yeah, it's kind of like fuck you or thank you. Yeah, not many fuck yous, honestly. That's pretty good. Yeah, I would say
1: it's ninety five five, probably. But, the hey, ratio. Not bad. Not and the bad. thank yous range from thank you, really enjoyed the book, to, uh, you know, my favorite is the women, many women who have written and said, um, I had to stop and masturbate every ten pages. <laughs> i mean that's the best thank you any author will ever yeah, receive yeah I think. that
0: will never happen with any of my books not sure, a single dude sure.
1: not a single dude has written to me to say hey dude i had to stop and jerk off while i was reading your book i just get shirtless but women do
0: i just get shirtless men sending me dms with their abs that's what i get after yeah, my book yeah i can understand that yeah, you're sort of asking pretty, for it though, you know that's pretty much what i get <laughs> but the reason i'm sending you both of those is that was the time when i realized that oh female sexual biology is not that different. Sim, you know, at least similar in the impulse to mate with multiple partners, and i had it all backwards, and that's what got me on this open relationship journey, oh. which has led to of course many uh, beautiful times and many challenging times, but if it wasn't for that book, i don't think i ever would have understood what was going on between the brain pussy connection of women and mm. i think that's probably the case for a lot of people and probably why females are so excited they're like oh shit someone's describing what's actually going on what my urges impulses feelings thoughts yeah. these things that were supposed to be shameful and not allowed and not approved this is what's actually happening
1: i think you're right i th- I think there's a sense of um i don't want to say justification but recognition i think a lot of women feel recognized by the book which is Largely due to Casilda, my Mm -hmm. co-author, having been involved and sort of pulling me back from some of my male biases in some parts of the book, I think. Um, But also I find it really interesting how a woman's sense of um, uh, feeling recognized can have such an erotic charge to it. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? That just feeling seen can be a huge turn on. For women, yeah. and I, I don't
0: know if it works that way for men. Um, maybe it's certainly it's just, an amazing feeling, right? Like, there's yeah. almost for your soul and your heart, but I don't know if it translates to the dick. The That's same what way. I'm thinking. You know it it, know it might
1: mean? even be a bit of a buzzkill.
0: Oh, no, can we just love each other? Cool, and let's and talk? cuddle, it's, yeah. <laughs> We've missed the moment, and maybe yeah. you know, maybe that is something due to the repression i think people have understood male sexuality more you know and so maybe it's not like Hmm. oh my god they see this taboo thing and it's actually okay and then it allows them to actually think those thoughts and maybe it's the permission of it that makes it that makes it sexy because you talk you know female copulatory vocalization the reason why women are louder in bed is to alert other males because when they're having sex they're ready and then other males could come and continue to have sex and this was this kind of what you would call in porn like a gangbang scenario Mm. which is like part of the history of sexual biology for fucking
1: humans right well it's pretty clear based on the evidence that we put together in sex at dawn that uh, our ancestors evolved in the context of sperm competition so yeah, it would be typical for more than one male to have had sex with a any female, um, and it probably. And what else are
0: you going to do around a fire for a hundred thousand years? <laughs> I don't you know. know. I mean, play didgeridoo. <laughs> <I don't know. laughs> play didgeridoo. That's about <laughs> I mean, it. Either you know? that, or like multiple guy on girl yeah. sex. I mean, yeah. I guess one or the other. Uh, but-, but before people get the wrong idea, I mean,
1: there are some parallels to gangbang porn, and we talked about that in the book. How. Gangbang porn is incredibly popular among straight men, which doesn't make sense. Yeah, because there's just
0: dicks everywhere.
1: Right. There's (laughs) dicks everywhere. And why would guys get turned on by all those dicks and one woman and all that jism flying around? It doesn't really make sense based upon a sort of narrow reading of heterosexuality. Um, But before people get the idea that, you know, we're saying that all our ancestors were porn stars... (laughs) you know people evolved in these groups of hunter these sort of bands of hunter gatherers that were very intimate so it's not like there were strangers and you know you know people getting fucked by someone they'd never
0: met before we're not talking about the tribes were still fighting each other and it was a very different typically or or sometimes in in cooperation this is
1: where you and rogan and i differ on the prehistory Right. Rogan's very wedded to the, you know, dark side of tribalism. D- yeah, nature's a cruel bitch and all that. I don't buy that.
0: Yeah, well there's certainly examples of both, right? Like you of can course look, at, there look are. at the Plains Indians and they were, yeah, sometimes getting along and sometimes kicking each other's ass.
1: Also, but see the, it's very complicated to talk about this stuff because Plains Indians, let's take as an example, we're looking at horses. There were no horses in North America until the Spanish came. All the horses that you see, the Comanche and the you mm-hmm. know the, the Cheyenne, all those those um, societies are totally transformed by the introduction of the horse. So when we look at them, we're not looking at them in their sort of pristine environment, you know, behaving the way they'd evolved, uh, behaved for centuries. The horse was a
0: disruptive force. hugely disruptive, sure. right. Makes I mean, sense. look how
1: important. it was central to their societies. They were hunting buffalo from horses, they were waging war on horse they were ranging over the
0: plains which they couldn't have done without horses so did that allow them to boost their population because they could hunt farther and then with the population there became a scarcity of resources with the scarcity of resources there became conflict right
1: yeah you're expanding right anytime you're in a in a ecological condition in which your population is expanding rapidly you're going to come into conflict with neighboring groups right but the other can um factor that's important to consider when we're looking at um accounts of north american native people is that up to 80 percent of them were killed by smallpox which also spread across the continent before they ever saw any white people so when we're looking at accounts of uh trade you know uh, fur trappers or missionaries or you know the first sort of settlers talking about what they saw in the behavior of these people um we have to keep in mind that these are people whose populations were decimated a hundred or 150 years earlier by this wave of smallpox that came through and just, you know, wiped out 80% of the people. And then whose worlds were upended by the introduction of the horse. When we're talking about Plains Indians, um, which moved some groups out of the forest onto the plains and, you know, brought them into conflict with people they'd never seen before. So it was anything but sort of a, you know coming and seeing the way Mm -hmm. they've lived
0: until we showed up it wasn't like that at all yeah i think that makes a lot of sense and it's a good distinction still though the neighboring tribe didn't get to fuck your women (laughs) probably probably they would probably not you probably not maybe it wouldn't have been like warlike well but they wouldn't have been invited to the gangbang most likely
1: although there are lots of accounts of uh social events where tribes would get together and they would have sex with each other yeah Potlatch ceremonies. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. And it still happens today. And, sure. and I have a friend who hiked across Madagascar. And um, like there was no road. It was, there's a, a mountain range that runs down the spine of Madagascar. And he hiked, I think, from the west side up over the mountains down to the east side. And he said that every village he came to, all the young unmarried women would try to get him to spend the night with them because it would be a great honor. And you know that's how they treated travelers who came through. Like you got to sleep with the the young
0: woman that you wanted to. And, and the word Eskimo brothers comes from that tradition with the Eskimo, uh, the yeah. Eskimo people, but they would actually be sleeping with the chief's wife, right? Like a guest of honor would sleep with the chief's wife. That Cause would that would kind of like. The, yeah,
1: but that's because the chief's bed was the most comfortable generally and the Uh. warmest
0: (laughs) (laughs) how polite i mean that's like that's a fucking host yeah hey come stay at my place fuck my wife sleep in my bed yeah you want some whale (laughs) blubber like what can i do for you (laughs) what what fucking sweeties they are
1: yeah yeah well and if you think about like uh, hospitality is the difference between life
0: and death up there right it's true you know you're trudging across the tundra imagine you have that that old school like scarcity mindset and like fuck i hope i don't run into any eskimos and then you run into some eskimos like shit it's all gonna go downhill from there meanwhile fast forward four hours later you're (laughs) You're feeding on whale bone broth and fucking (laughs) the chief's wife and you're like this is amazing these people aren't so bad (laughs) i'm gonna be an eskimo forever (laughs) yeah 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 that's that's really interesting so sorry so to follow back to that initial thread (laughs) back to the fuck you back to the back to the fucking like i think just now having a group of girlfriends that now everything is because i'm in an open relationship and there's we've collapsed a lot of the jealousy structures and collapsed a lot of the things like the truth about what is being expressed what their urges are what their feelings are you know i get to basically like be one of the girls at a girls brunch where they don't hold back what they're talking about right and girls and guys are equally savages Hmm. you know and i think that's the that's the moral of the story everybody likes to fuck and everybody likes to fuck in uh, like as big a way as you could possibly imagine and typically that's the case and there's nuances and subtleties and the motivation and of course the ego gets involved and there's validation fucking and there's all kinds of complicated things but i think to at least understand it's like it's absolutely necessary to understand the basic biological impulses that we all have and i don't think there's a better book that does that than your book well, thank you man yeah you appreciate so i just that. wanted to give you that appreciation and then knowing that then it's like well shit you know like i can't be in a situation where i would expect because i think a lot of guys want to have a situation where they can have sex but like no but my girl shouldn't want to even have sex because you know look at the lions you know there's one lion and a bunch of fucking yeah. lionesses and yeah. look at bulls or whatever they have these archaic animal model examples that are just not human beings that's why everybody's fucking cheating on everybody everybody's everybody's lying yeah is it just a failure to understand like oh this is the kind of animal that we're dealing with here
1: yeah failure is a nice way to put it i i think it often verges on refusal yeah you know and yeah i mean back to the fuck yous and the thank yous the the response to the book not only from readers but also from critics is interesting you know like again, mostly really positive and, and we're very grateful for it. But when people trash it, they trash it hard and it, you know, initially, I mean, I sort of girded my loins. I knew going out that this wasn't going to be pretty, you know, Uh but, uh, I became very good at recognizing early on when the response was motivated by emotion and learning to ignore it, you know? Yeah. Like for example, one of the first reviews of the book was um, Megan Mcardle, who's a she's a columnist for the Washington Post now, and at the time she was writing for the Atlantic, I think, and she wrote this thing. I think it was in her blog, but she just was like, "This book is total bullshit." It's blah blah blah. Just like trash the writing style, the research, like everything, right? And she said, "You know, I don't. How can you write a whole book questioning monogamy and not even mention jealousy?" I'm like, chapter 10 is called jealousy. (laughs) (laughs) Like, like, how do you publish an article that is that disconnected from reality? You know, it's like, it's a panic. You're in a panic. You're in a state of just a frenzy. Yeah. Emotional frenzy. Yeah. So yeah, it's interesting. And I've learned to just not, it's like online shit, you know, it's just like, yeah,
0: that's not about me. It's not even about the book. It's about you. And that and that comes up even when I talk about open relationship, right? I sure. mean It's this thing like you make a post that mentions it, and there'll be a strong emotional reaction both ways. You know. So how do they deal with you though? Because I always get called like a beta cuck. You know that that's
1: the way. Every time I'm on Rogan's show, I get all this like, yeah, babe, "You baby's a fucking, fucking cook. beta cuck." <laughs> like, mm, yeah, I don't know.
0: <laughs> Not sure, dude. But how do they do with you? I, mean, I still like, get called a cuck. You know, I think that's like, like you alpha cuck. I, so. I guess get T-shirt for you, <laughs> alpha cuck. <cook>. Alpha cuck. <laughs> I guess that's the. I mean, I guess that's the insult, right? That's the way to say this person is different, yeah. And that's why they're into that because it's fucking terrifying to them. Well, I love terrifying the, I love to the, the words. thought that their girl might want to fuck somebody else. Yeah. Guess what? They when do. any guy who would let you would let his girl do yeah like what do you mean let? yeah like you're fucking i didn't pick her up
1: at the dog pound (laughs) you idiot Or and it goes the other way too like you know you're you're talking to a guy like oh my wife would never let me like your wife would
0: never let let you you? yeah ew what kind of marriage is that what 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 is is this weird yeah what is this weird possessive thing that we've got ourselves into where we just put more and more rules just boxing people in tighter and tighter until they don't even resemble the wild creature that we first fell Mm, in love with that actually gets us turned on in the first place it's like and when everybody's thinking about a fantasy of them riding a horse on the beach is it some fucking beaten down whipped (laughs) fucking (laughs) horse with a fucking (laughs) bit in his mouth like like, oh don't hit me anymore what do you want should i canter or (laughs) trot honey yeah (laughs) no they want a fucking wild stallion right like we both want that we want Uh, the fucking unicorn with the mane flowing and uh, fucking collie fire coming out of the fingertips we want that but we're terrified of it yeah you know so we try to control 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 until we're just disgusted and then we cheat with some other fucking wild stallion or unicorn
1: yeah because that's what turns us on that's what
0: fucking turns us on we're actively working against ourselves because we're afraid to like face the dragon of our own jealousy and our own Validation that we're getting from this person, only fucking us. Well, I'm special because they're only fucking me. I'm worthy of love because they're the only ones who'll, you know, take their pants off for me. You know, like weird.
1: Yeah. It's a weird time. I've I've often, I mean, for me, it's transformed long ago, long before I wrote the book, into sort of what you were saying earlier about being one of the girls. Like what where I get validation is when a woman will share things with me she's afraid to share with other dudes that's what makes me feel special and often what she's sharing is like I, you know i'd like to fuck other dudes or you know what i mean yeah. or something like i'd like a triple penetration I, uh, yeah I think exactly about that. It i turns thought about fucking your buddies and i'm like yeah okay i'll talk to my buddies but it's like, <laughs> like that, that's how i deal with it my yeah. aikido move is like yeah. you know i'm special because i'm the guy who's not threatened by that shit right you know and right. And I would encourage other guys to you know adopt that posture because it's great. It, it just opens up the world
0: to you. That you know? kind of confidence is like fucking fiery, sexy, you right? Know, when you're just like, no, I'm not threatened by that, right? You know, now if some and, and you combine that with, but sweetie, if someone's trying to hurt you, oh yeah, I'll of come after them, right? You know, I'll right. I'll be on them in a fucking second. But oh, someone's trying to give you pleasure, cool. Let me bless that right. situation. Let me right. send a bottle of champagne to your hotel room not because i'm being a fucking sneaky about it just because i want you guys to have a good time yeah you know and like that's at that point the gratitude that comes from that is like oh shit this person really just wants me to be happy and you know and it gets back to that earlier thing of this guy sees
1: me sees me exactly and the guy who sees you i think you know here are a couple of dudes talking about women um but in my experience a woman who feels recognized and seen is uh
0: a really happy woman totally and and that's the way you connect with her and a guy who feels recognized and seen as a really happy man you know i mean and anytime you have to lie and pretend that you're not you're gonna build up resentment right you know and that's why like you know with you, you gotta people always say oh yeah i'm marrying my best friend i'm like you lying motherfucker you were lying to each other constantly because when i hang out with you it's a way different fucking conversation yeah you know like sure i I don't doubt that there's a very special bond and you deeply care for each other and you've nurtured each other and there's vulnerabilities that you share but nonetheless like that's your best friend you tell the truth you know like you say oh man i met this girl and there's like a lot of attraction there blah 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 i met this guy Blah. whatever it is just like you would with your normal friends like yeah like medium medium friends you would still talk about that but it's just until people i think whether you decide to take action or not like you got to be honest with each other and just recognize and see each other as humans now it can be fucking super challenging as i know and really hard when you start to actually walk the path and have to deal with it and i'm not saying that's for everybody but i think the bare minimum is to get to an honest recognition of who each other are right you know and then willingly willingly maybe sacrifice your ability to quench those desires physically like that's fine like both of you're like look i see you i know you're a savage i know you want to fuck you see me you know i'm a savage you know i want to fuck but you know what it's going to be really challenging we're gonna have to wade through a lot of shit to do this yeah. we're not going to do this voluntarily right but let's not delude ourselves right. about who we are exactly yeah
1: yeah yeah it's good that you you sort of uh articulate that because i think a lot of people misunderstand these sorts of conversations as being uh saying that open relationships are better or if you're not in an open relationship, you're lying to yourself or there's something wrong with you and all that. Like that's sex of dawn has no advice, zero relationship mm-hmm. advice. It's it's all exactly what you just said. It's this is the kind of animal we are. This is how we know that. These are the you know signs of it in our bodies and our behavior and our history and other primates that are similar to us. What you do with that information is up to you. But start from a position of knowledge and acceptance um so that you know you understand that if you choose to go against that trajectory that evolved trajectory it's going to be challenging yep and that's cool and And that doesn't mean there's something wrong with you and
0: just do that with open eyes
1: right exactly that's the thing and 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 compassion for each other and for yourself so i
0: mean like relationships
1: you know also what is an open relationship right Like we're talking about a relationship where you're having sex with other people, but there are, you know, Dan Savage has this term monogamish, Mm -hmm. right? The doors open a little and it can swing more open or closed over time. Uh, But you know, like couples who look at porn together, Mm -hmm. that's kind of an open relationship Mm because they're, they're acknowledging what turns them on. They're sharing that with each other. It's part of their shared space it's not some shameful little thing that the dude goes down in the basement and does when the woman's in the shower and you know and, and so developing this sort of separate dark yeah. uh area just in their relationship
0: widening the gap between the yeah. two people you yeah know, from exactly doing
1: that. and then pretending like oh it's
0: <laughs> guys who look at porn sickos honey they're sickos right <laughs> I, I, I watched i watched the doctor flipping through the channels and i just happened to flip through a dr phil Oh. piece and he goes right when i flip through he goes you know and he was talking giving advice to this woman you know if he's beaten he's probably cheating <laughs> i go what what did he say that he's like you know if he's beaten he's probably i was like what the fuck are you talking about yeah. dr phil yeah. if a guy's beating off he's probably cheating yeah <laughs> are you, are you, I, you saying say it's that a good way not to cheat yeah, like everybody's but. cheating like what what is the fucking point you're making here
1: yeah, Dr. Phil, if you're listening, you're full of shit. <laughs> You've been full of shit since the beginning. Do you know, like he's not even a psychologist. His PhD is in like statistics or something. And he met Oprah because he was helping her choose when she was being sued by the beef council because she said some shit about hamburgers being bad for you or something. As he was like the consultant to help the lawyers pick the jury pool. That's how she met him. Like a guy's, he's zero training as a
0: psychologist or a therapist. He's just a bullshit artist. I mean, Oprah's probably done some positive things in the world, but this was a but fucking that wasn't strike. Right. <laughs> this was like, this, she just took a huge swing, spun around and Foul fell down. Like just fell yeah, down. Yeah. You know, that guy, <laughs> that's fucking crazy. But you get this mainstream really bad advice. Am I going to get sued by Dr. Phil? Did I, did I just destroy my entire future? So. Yeah, man. I hope so. That'd be amazing. Dr. Phil, you're full of shit, but please don't sue me. yeah Yeah. i I think like it's it's just an odd time because people are so scared of the truth yeah like you can't be you can't be you got to look at that shit unemotionally yeah and just and just the fear around thinking that the system that you have there might be another way because i think also people have people have like they've accepted the pain of marriage to a certain degree Mm. like they've accepted the pain that they're feeling like nope this is just it and then when they see somebody who's like or not or maybe it's hard and maybe it's not for you but there's other ways that maybe you don't have to live in pain and it's doesn't feel like a ball and chain and you know the sex doesn't run out of passion and like all of these things that you just like accept you know there's other options if you want and be like fuck you no there cannot be other options because i'm enduring this right now and if i think there's other options that thought will torture me endlessly so i'm gonna pretend that there's nothing else that works and if you like it you're a fucking beta cuck yeah you know and that's and like if you're into it, you're just a freak and whatever they just ostracize and make it not a real option yeah well it's a real option it maybe it's not a fucking easy option you know i'll tell you that it's fucking hard as shit
1: it's so a sunk cost fallacy is that what that thing's called where like if you've already lost a certain amount of money in something mm. you refuse to accept that it's a bad investment and you'll put the rest <laughs> of Jump your money on and in it. just keep pushing yeah. chips in
0: because acknowledging like you've already lost half your money to a bad investment yeah like, that hurts that's a good i mean i've never heard the term for it but i think that happens with that type of investment it also happens with people who have been wrong for a long time
1: yeah like if you've been a
0: dick yeah. for a long time like it's really going to be hard for you to take psychedelics or something that might actually illuminate like oh shit like i've been doing something the wrong way for a long time like i've been an asshole to my kids for a long time like the momentum of that because then you have to forgive yourself for years of being a dick
1: yeah yeah or even just making a mistake like um you know here i am i'm regional manager of of the you know the shoe chain and i don't give a fuck about shoes and i never <laughs> have but i'm 45 years old yeah. and i got to pay my mortgage and like I, I have a lot of compassion for
0: somebody in and that i position. wish i would have made music you know because that's right? what always i was that's what i always loved you know and they just bury that yeah and 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 this idea that it's instead of looking at now to the future like how can i live the rest of my life from here you know it's like they don't even want to acknowledge that they would have made a mistake in the past but fuck it we all make mistakes we all wake up you know and, and realize like oh shit i was blind to this i was dumb in this way i mean i'm constantly figuring out that i was a dummy in some yeah. way how old are you 37
1: yeah you're it's, like fucking, it's like fucking
0: yeah every <laughs> and like in a shocking like not like a little bit you can't help it you're 30 no, you're not I remember a little when bit.
1: 37 seemed old and now it's like 37 <laughs> oh <laughs>
0: Kids, kids these Fucking days, kids.
1: millennials. Yeah, yeah, it's funny. I've, I'm 56, and I'm. I mean, I think everything accelerates with age. As does that. I think yeah. the feeling of like, I don't know, like like as your perspective is changing and everything looks different and things become apparent that were blocked before by testosterone or you know ambition or whatever. It's it's interesting. It's really interesting. You know, another thing, just while we're before we leave that subject of relationships and how we shoot ourselves in the foot, there's, um, I don't know if you and I have ever talked about this, but there's this book I read a long time ago called The Erotic Mind by Jack Morin, I think. And uh, I don't remember anything about the book except mm-hmm. this formula that he lays out where he says, um, passion equals attraction plus an obstacle. Ooh. Isn't that great? That's cool. It's so simple, but it's so powerful, right? So you have two people are attracted to each other, but there's an obstacle. They're mm-hmm. already married to other people. They're gay and they can't, you know, that can't be admitted or mm-hmm. their families don't want them to get together. Romeo and Juliet, or mm-hmm. it's a you know long distance thing. She's in New York. You're in wherever you are. Like whatever it is, there's that obstacle and that increases the passion. It's like this gravitational pull and you can't close the circuit, right? And so when they do get together, it's super hot and fantastic and all And they want, like, I want to have this all the time, man. I want to have this passion all the time.
0: They split up with their spouses (laughs) to get together and they're like, fuck, no obstacle. (laughs) Where's
1: (laughs) the passion? This isn't like in Uh the hotels that Uh we used to get together in Cleveland, what the fuck? (laughs) (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's really fucking interesting because i've experienced that myself you know there's been people who you know i've had passion building for a while and there's always been some obstacle there with somebody i've been in an open relationship for four years so it's typically there with somebody else and you know it's like all right all right and then they get single and we're like all right we're gonna give this a go and it's like all of this passion and then you know it's cool but it's like after we do it we're like ah. Oh, now we can just chill and be friends again right you know what i mean yeah. like it's like we had while the obstacle was there it was this crazy thing but yeah. when freedom was actually there and we actually were able to exercise it and it was like oh yeah that was dope you're awesome like i enjoyed that but actually we're probably just better as friends
1: which makes you wonder about her breaking up with her guy in the first place if the guy had been like yeah go
0: fuck aubrey then maybe they'd still be together right and and been like that with everybody and that's one of the reasons why i'm still with wit and our relationship now is probably better than it's ever been it's had its trials and tribulations and tough times but we're able if we have that thing that catches our eye which used to cause me to break up with my girlfriend and be like no no i'm gonna uh, this fucking thing i want i know i want this thing for sure Hmm. well now we just go experience that thing and most of the time we find out like oh no what we have is actually doper right you know and that's and it just gives you that flexibility says bend don't break kind of philosophy how do you deal with
1: the other relationship you know so like let's say the woman isn't her her guy doesn't know
0: if i'm with a girl whose guy doesn't know i've never been in that Mm. situation Mm. wit's been in that situation um and that's always a little bit it's always a little bit trickier yeah you know it's a little bit trickier because the communication gets kind of fucking spotty because there's usually some if there's dishonesty on one side there's usually dishonesty on both sides like so many people have you know told her like oh no i'm gonna don't ask don't tell i'm like Every time that's turned out to be total bullshit, which mm. is basically, no, she didn't ask me about you, so I didn't <laughs> tell her. Like, well, how the fuck would she know to ask you yeah, about her? You know, yeah, like, yeah. it's this don't ask, don't tell, open relationship thing is fucking nonsense. I've never actually seen an, an actuality <laughs> that that's true, but everybody will say that. Yeah. Like, no, it's kind of don't ask, don't tell. Yeah, about. yeah, but it's nonsense. Yeah, you know, but yeah, I, I mean, I haven't had that many partners, and the ones that I've had haven't been with anybody so i haven't really had to deal with it on my side but i've yeah. certainly seen it you know on which side and it, it's it's interesting
1: yeah i think that's sort of like uh advanced level stuff mm-hmm. like i think people who get into it initially it's like okay what's your business what you do at home and uh but then i think over time in, in my experience people get to a point where it's
0: like no no it's on the table or it's not i yeah. think and i think that's the place that we've ultimately arrived because as as i've said when the dishonesty is on one side everything gets like square it's like well he's just fucking not reaching out for a week and then that feels kind of weird yeah and like and that gets kind of like push pull seductory kind of mind fuckery. yeah and then that's kind of not cool in our relationship too right, right right you know like is this dude like cool or is he playing games like right. what's the deal well he's not necessarily intentionally playing games but he just got back with his girl and his girl's fucking got his eye on the phone and he's trying to like and it's just this whole fucking yeah, stupid yeah. thing even though he's said no it's don't ask don't tell everything's cool it's not fucking cool right you know he's lying he's lying on both sides yeah and so that's ultimately i think we're both at a place now where it's got to be wide the fuck open because yeah. in our relationship we've gotten to this place of impeccable honesty like where right. we have to like we have to know yeah. like i i mean i i would love it if i got turned on by like stories of her having sex with people but it actually just makes my stomach turn it makes me want to vomit for Mm. the most part Mm. but what i do like knowing is like knowing why she likes him like i really like to understand from her perspective like what are you doing that what are you getting out of it where are you from because when i see her and i understand her then it makes total sense and i'm not stressed i'm not fabricating in my mind oh it's because he's got that fucking 14 inch hammer i know he does and that's why it's like most of the time it's like no he's a nice guy and we have fun and it's like really simple it's like but if if i don't understand that it's like fucking for sure the 14 inch hammer <laughs> like i know and I'm, in, I'm inspecting for damage done by the hammer like did, did everything explode down there because i don't understand it he must have the fucking hammer of thor that he's bringing yeah. you No, know, so the imagination ends up making it way worse than just yeah. seeing from her perspective oh i dig him because he's yeah. like that yeah and maybe he is good in bed and i'm like oh cool you know but it's the imagination is always way fucking worse is it funny how we like men get all hung up on dicks
1: yeah, you know it's it gets back to that gangbang thing like you know here we are a couple of straight dudes we're watching like five dudes and a woman like what is wrong with us like we're obviously dick obsessed in some weird straight way and uh yeah i mean i try to say to guys who, who get hung up on dicks like i think now of course women who are listening to this you know some of them will say you're full of shit man there are size queens who are women not a lot though i think most there's queens, like there's
0: almost like an MVD, like a minimum viable dick. Right. Yeah. As <laughs> you, long as it like if you're like if you cross the MVD threshold, it's like, like that thing like you can't ride the roller coaster if, <laughs> yeah, you, yeah, if yeah. you're not at least this tall. <laughs> so and it's a pretty you can't low. Really bar. ride the pussy the dicks, really at least <laughs> this. Big. But if it is <laughs> sorry, right, then, then you're, you're, pretty, in. You're, you're in. You're in. Yeah.
1: yeah. And if it isn't, like, are you really good at going down on yeah, a woman? Because sure. if you, you are, then you're still in the game. Yeah. Yeah. So like you know. Uh but you know i often think like breasts it's like yeah there are some guys who are just like you know obsessed with big breasts but most guys are like whatever she's beautiful yeah small breasts medium breasts larger breasts whatever i like them all you know what i mean as Mm -hmm. long as the woman's beautiful that's not a major consideration yeah and uh but i think it's hard for men to flip that way of thinking into women and i think that's basically
0: how women think about guys is like is he a nice guy if he's a nice guy like i don't give well, a fuck we've reduced the acts the act of sex to penetration yeah like, that's what we think like and it's way more sex starts the moment you start fucking talking and have right. a glass of wine and you're right. smiling and flirting and you have your hand on your leg and then the kissing and then the fucking whole experience to the to the cuddle and the back scratch the at the end or whole whatever experience the fucking is there whole a w experience? In that or not man <laughs> 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 sorry i don't i don't know what your audience yes, is expecting
1: exposed. here this is getting out of control
0: <laughs> but yeah that, and i think for a woman i think intuitively that is way more an understanding because yeah. they're actually they don't have those kind of hang-ups but for a guy it's like you know it's just all about the fucking penetration and that first sense. time
1: i was with a woman in spain <clears throat> spanish woman she looked at my dick and she said oh i've never been with a circus-sized man before a circus-sized? She,
0: she meant circus? <laughs> <laughs> but you were well, like... But for a minute, I'm like, is this Am I the midget or the <laughs> elephant? I mean, or <laughs> giant?
1: <laughs> what kind of circus is
0: this, anyway? <laughs> Are you saying it's a donkey dick?
1: <laughs> yeah. so I hope so. Uh, no, it's funny because, like, you know, b- based on my research, I probably know more about dicks than any straight guy around. Uh, so if a woman's like, "Oh, it's big," like, baby i know exactly where it falls on the spectrum <laughs> believe like, me listen Not i got science behind of it. humans of <laughs> bonobos of gorillas i you know come on
0: it is funny looking at the like the stats of nationalities and dick sizes you know there's quite a range from four yeah. inches four inches on the kind of indian continent yeah. to like seven inches on the african continent as just being the fucking yeah. average yeah I mean, that, is it, a, that is a significant difference
1: and it shows up in the way condoms are produced right because if they use african-sized condoms in india they slip off everywhere (laughs) seriously so it's not have you seen stanhope's latest Uh uh-uh well there's 30 minutes on like indian gang rape it's incredible it's incredible he's 30
0: minutes of indian gang rape comedy <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> wow he's, he's good that's the, he's that wow. good wow yeah. that is very <laughs> curious <laughs> would not have expected that that's fucking interesting yeah. uh what's up with your book man you which got, one you civilized to death oh i sent it to the uh, publisher two
1: weeks hallelujah. ago. hallelujah well we'll see we'll see what the publisher says because the publisher might be like yeah we needs another chapter you gotta anyway yeah you never know but Yeah, I sent it in and, um, you know, Ryan and I were talking earlier, um, you know, like I, part of the, it was like five years I was fucking Mm. around working on it and then not working on it. And part of the the delay I realize now, in addition to just me being an undisciplined, you know, (laughs) scatterbrain, is uh, that I think. As I was working on it, I was doing the podcast, and the podcast was taking off and becoming a more important part of my life. So, of course, it displaced time and all that. But it was also that I'm excited by podcasting as a way of disseminating information. Mm, yeah, and the book felt like an antiquated medium. Yeah, and so it, it just felt like what a weird way to convey information. Now, uh, you know, sit down and do all this work make something in its final state, put it out. And then new science comes, new ideas come to you. You change your mind about things too bad. The book's already out. Mm -hmm. It's done. It's gone. It's out there in the world. And also fewer and fewer people are reading more and more people are getting their information, listening, you know, while they're at work, while they're driving, whatever. And so it like my life was sort of transitioning from writing into podcasting but the, the book was like, I got the contract, gotta finish it, you know? Yeah. So I'm happy with the book and I think it's important. And I do think there are things that books can do that podcasts can't, of course.
0: It's like a master aggregation of knowledge around the topic, though, you know? Like if I was gonna, yeah. it would have taken the c- accumulation of 40, 50 podcasts to cover all the niche topics in the book that I published. Right. But instead, now we get to, all right, let's put it all together. Yeah. So people want everything on that theme you know they can yeah. just fucking go we'll see what i'm doing that.
1: now is i'm putting together thematically uh, organized books that are taken from the podcast ah so i've i and i do it all with the audience so i've got people from the audience who are coordinating right now we're working on um one on um uh, consciousness and drugs and another on sexuality and then later there will be a travel one and alternative lifestyles and I don't remember That's all cool. the different themes. Yeah. So we'll take the information, and then the audience members are doing the transcriptions. They're picking which episodes that they want to include, which parts of the conversation are most important to include. It's all just crowdsourced. That's amazing. Yeah. And then we do like a profit sharing thing. So yeah. we'll see how it works out, but I'm pretty happy with the. Uh, way of you know taking the the raw
0: content from the podcast and turning it into other mediums only ebooks though i think Mm -hmm. i think you know tim ferris has done a pretty good job of that basically turning his podcast and a lot of these interviews into aggregations of you know topics around entrepreneurship or success or motivation or something like that and i think that's uh that's an intelligent way to kind of to kind of go about it for me i kind of feel like the podcast is the testing ground for mm-hmm. all the ideas where i'm learning and talking and testing and feeling it out and then ultimately when i get to a level of comfort on that and it's like okay go to the go to the cave write the book mm. put that all together yeah and then go out and start exploring something else right figuring it out testing talking getting feedback it's a great way to get access to people but it's, it's these com- <laughs> some of these conversations are the best conversations you'll ever have yeah you know
1: yeah these days like when else do you sit down with somebody for an hour or two turn off
0: your phones and just look at each other and talk Mm. it doesn't happen very much and you know what i find is like the when you have that relationship on the podcast like you'll carry on with the conversation you Mm. know if you're used to that then you're able to just carry on that conversation about to lunch or out to dinner or out Mm. to whatever it'll continue and there's been so many times i finish a podcast that's happened this weekend finish a podcast go out and grab a bite and it's like fuck i wish this was still recording yeah you know because the conversation is still you you kind of prime that engine yeah you know and it's like you why would you look at your phone you know this has been such a positive experience like fuck the phone get to that later and i think but it but it's this initial impetus to do it um so i I mean i think that's probably a, a reason for anybody to start a podcast like it's hard to be successful as a podcaster now just because yeah. there's a million yeah but you will have great conversations and that skill of having great conversations will help you in life in general
1: yeah my advice to people who want to start a podcast is be friends with joe and duncan that's <laughs> that's the key to success yeah, i think yeah <laughs> that helps a lot that helps a lot yeah i no about it <laughs>
0: i think uh someone was saying i think jordan harbinger was saying that 95 percent of podcasts quit before episode 13 so it's like because you don't get the downloads and then you get frustrated so if you do it you have to do it for the art of the podcast itself you can't use that external validation of like how many downloads you get to do it you say i'm gonna have a great conversation it's going to be recorded i'm going to put it out Mm. hopefully some people dig it and as long as you're doing it for that you're doing it for the right reason yeah but i think we're trained you know you make a post and then you want to see how many likes you get and that determines how good the post is or or anything yeah it's all well, this external i mean validation. everybody
1: you know the, when you're doing something creative audience is important audience engagement is gratifying and makes you feel that you're having some effect i mean i had a weird experience where i don't know if this happened with you are you on libsyn mm-hmm. yeah well i was were
0: yeah. maybe that's what happened so where it dropped yeah all the stats like, like dropped a in lot. a fucking uh, dropped by like
1: well it was going percent. so yeah. in my case it was going up like fast so uh-huh. i don't it was a year and a half or two years ago or something you know my numbers were sort of you know hovering around the same uh monthly or weekly or whatever and then it just started going up like 10% a week, 10% up, 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 up. And I was like, holy shit, man, my audience is exploding. And then I get this, I get this email from Lipson, like, yeah, we're changing the way we measure downloads. You know, I don't know, they're bots. I don't remember what the fuck it was. And they
0: said they had some yeah. like real low ball. It might affect it like 25%. Yeah, but shouldn't like it shouldn't
1: affect any, it shouldn't be a yeah. problem. And it's like, what? Like it's oh, like a third. Yeah. Like boom. boom. And, yeah. and it had no effect on like how many people were supporting me on Patreon or using my Amazon affiliate thing, which is how I monetize it. So it didn't really have any concrete effect on me at all. But just looking at it and seeing a number that was a third lower than it was last month, kind of a bummer.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, but it's all good, bullshit. It's all bullshit. <laughs> it's all total <laughs> bullshit.
1: It's like a, a millionaire who loses money on the stock market. But you're still living in your fucking. But mansion it's even. And but it's, e- but, but it's even. But it's even different
0: because at least there was an actual loss. This was just an algorithm that was feeding our ego to a certain way. Yeah. With, with with this idea of yeah. success. But that, but was there an actual loss? I mean, if it doesn't
1: affect your lifestyle at all, and it's just the numbers on your bank account are different now.
0: Yeah. Is that a loss? <laughs> I mean, it depends on how you measure it, but there was actual money that goes away. In this case, there was nothing that went away. The same amount yeah. of people were listening. Yeah. The way yeah. they just captured the data was different. Yeah. And all of us were walking around like, <laughs> like kicking <laughs> rocks <laughs> exactly. and like, mwah, mwah, mwah. And I talked to a bunch of people <laughs> yeah, that appeared. Yeah. I was like, yeah. Fuck Limsuit. Yeah. Sin. Fuck Limsuit. <laughs> <man. laughs> lie to me, bitch. Yeah, I'm going somewhere else. <laughs> and I'm like, Seriously? we Seriously. You well, did.
1: Seriously. Well, I almost did. I was yeah. too, too lazy. I, I figured. Uh, yeah, yeah. So anyway, podcasting. Is, is, so is that the trials? I mean, that is
0: one of the things. This instant feedback from everything. I mean, it's got to be one of the things that I don't know if you touch on it in your new book about one of the factors of the technologization or whatever you want to call it of our lives, where everything we do has this kind of social feedback, where we're mm. getting hearts on everything we push out whether it's likes Mm. or whether it's hearts or whether it's downloads or whether it's whatever it is like that is a fucking majorly different factor yeah than people were used to
1: yeah yeah and i wonder how generational it is you know because i was in my let's see nine i was in my 30s when the internet started you know so like my personality and brain cognitive function and all that developed in the absence of all this mm-hmm. so I really wonder sometime what it's like for kids who grew up with this as part of their experience from a really young age because I felt so sex of dawn came out in 2010 and uh the my editor at the time was like dude you gotta get on Twitter I said, fuck. I hate Twitter. I hate the word Twitter and the little bird and tweets. Fuck that. It's all this tweet. It's all this cutie cutie bullshit. You know, Mm. I hate that. I don't like birthday cards. I don't like holidays. (laughs) Like, I don't like anything that's trying to be cute. You know? He's a mean one. (laughs) (laughs) I'm a fucking Grinch, man, a grumpy old fuck. But you know, he's like, no, you gotta do it. It's you know blah 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 audience and yeah. And so I did, I, I pulled out of Facebook. I, I draw the line at Facebook, but, um, yeah, I'm on Twitter and Instagram. I use them a lot Mm -hmm. and it is, I can feel it. There's a hook deep in my psyche. Totally. Yeah. And every once in a while I'll go in the van and I'll be like, I'm out of range for five days, you know, just to
0: sort of do a cleanse. It's like, a intermittent fasting or something. A technology cleanse. And I've like heard people Mm. use that exact language where or like a fucking social media cleanse. Yeah. Where like actually getting yourself free of that. Yeah. Because it can be very positive. You know, it's a great way to put out the message that you want, but you have to be disciplined enough not to allow the pressure of conformity to what people like Mm. to dictate entirely. Like good to get feedback, but I think the issue is when you're trying to figure out who you are and you're just throwing shit out to the mass public and the mass public is informing you on what you should be right well every girl's going to be naked right you know for sure because that's what's going to get the right response right like and everybody's it's just going to create the same homogenous sludge where those outliers where that the ability to go out and be out front and do something that's a little weird that you're only called brilliant like 10 years after you've been doing that weird thing I feel like the pressure will be to grind that down to a certain degree. Yeah. Well, that's why I say I wonder how it's
1: different because I became who I am before I got any sort of feedback. Yeah. That way, you know, from my immediate friends, of course, and family and stuff, but not from fucking strangers. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, that's, you're right. That's, that feedback loop is a very strange one. Yeah.
0: Mm -hmm. And it can be positive. You know, like a lot of times the criticism is legit. Like if you're being a dick, and someone calls you a dick it can be like oh yeah he's probably right you know so sometimes you can take that criticism constructively but sometimes you know it's nonsense sometimes it's like you're a fucking beta cuck you know like yeah okay you're not <laughs> right and, and who are you <laughs> yeah, exactly like yeah. yeah okay but if if yeah we were you know of a more sensitive constitution right and maybe that would be like oh man i better not talk about what i really feel about relationship because you know everybody's going to just call me a beta cock and then you just keep you and again it's another one of those ways that we would just get smaller and smaller and hate ourselves more because we're not expressing our authentic swing as pressfield would say like really Mm. just being who we truly are yeah
1: yeah yeah it's interesting how you know in real life who like if you told me i was being a dick i'd take it seriously because i know you and i value your intelligence and all that right yeah but if I was walking down the street and some guy drove by in a car and said you're a dick, I'd be like, wrong dude, you know, like you don't know <laughs> me. <laughs> like, it would mean nothing. But on social media, that random dude, his voice matters. Yeah, you know, you get a fucking tweet from some guy telling you you're a dick. You're like, oh, it it registers in your day somehow.
0: Like, yeah. Why? I don't know you. Who the fuck are you? Right. You and know? it's always there. It's always their story. Like no one watches no one ever watches the same movie and that's like a really important thing to remember right. like no matter if you're in the theater you're in the theater with 200 people no one's watching the same fucking movie you ever yes. seen rush among <clears throat> no uh, it's a movie about that oh really yeah uh, just how everybody's perception is yeah. viewing things immediately even with the viewing with their own biases and their own yeah. personal history and everything so yeah. what they're actually experiencing is vastly different yeah and what anybody is going to experience from what you say or what you post is vastly different and there's going to be a wide spectrum mm-hmm. of ways that people are going to perceive that well that's i don't know if you're
1: how you're dealing with your responses to your book which i guess is doing well right yeah i, I see super on well. amazon sometimes when i go look on sex <laughs> Dawn, i see it's paired with yours oh, that's nice. nice i'm happy about that i like that um but yeah i i sort of uh, i'm an old yeah. hand at this now and i i recognized early on that people have a response to the book that doesn't fucking involve me Mm. you know so even when they're really complimentary it's like that's great but that's between you and the book yeah yeah i mean
0: whenever especially when you touch on emotional things so probably the most controversial part of my book is an honest exploration of nicotine Mm. right where i say okay let's all admit that cigarettes fucking kill you and it's stupid to smoke cigarettes let's get that out of the way let's also admit that nicotine is addictive let's get that out of the way Then let's talk about the 41 double-blind placebo-controlled studies that showed that nicotine improves a variety of different measures of performance, from focus to short-term memory to long-term memory to fostering alpha state, helping people get in the zone. Mm. Let's analyze that. Let's talk, let's look at what the Royal London College of Physicians said, that smoking, that Taking smokeless tobacco is 10 to a thousand times less dangerous than smoking cigarettes. So let's look at risk management to get the benefit that's clearly there in these 41 studies from Mm -hmm. the nicotine. And let's do it in a way that's going to cause the least amount of harm, being mindful of addiction, being mindful of these other things. And I try to put like a really reasonable argument out there. And then of course some people who probably have a reason that they have some nicotine maybe say had a family member who died of sure. lung cancer or something like that yeah. you know they'll come out and one out of every 20 reviews on the book is like he promotes nicotine you know fucking idiot or like one star or like health guru talking about nicotine zero stars like they would give me negative 100 stars if they yeah. could yeah. you know and it's just not actually engaging with the content being like oh wow that's an interesting way to to think about right. it yeah. you know but it's just that emotional first emotional reaction and just like shit shit on it
1: that's but- funny like casilda has my, my wife is a psychiatrist she's often said that to me she, she has a lot of very unpopular um insights into things that in the 20 years i've been with her i've seen society come to accept mm. you know like the first time we came to america she's like what is all this non-fat shit this is all bullshit fat's good this (laughs) is all bullshit and this was still back in the day when
0: most people believed it fat heart healthy
1: yeah exactly and she's just like no no they're all wrong they're killing themselves this is ridiculous and uh she's that way about nicotine too she's like no cigarettes are really important for people who have um uh psychotic tendencies Mm. they self-medicate with nicotine and it it holds their focus it keeps them in the here and now yeah and she's like hey i she never would tell she worked with psychotics and she's like i would never tell them to stop smoking that's right. the worst advice you can give them right
0: that's their lung cancer is not what I, they're worried yeah. about and then so then at that when you have the, when you understand that the nicotines there, then say okay well maybe try vaping yeah, you know like maybe exactly. try something now that that's there are other a little options bit, yeah. there's other options let's try another way to get you that same feeling with doing the minimum amount of damage yeah and then that's a, just like a reasonable conversation to have but that's probably the most emotionally charged topic i do talk a lot about fats but people have kind of given up that fight yeah you know that was a that fight over yeah. five ten years ago i mean still like still people don't get it you know we'll still find people who are afraid of eating fat because they still think somehow magically they're different and if they eat Eat fat in food; it's going to translate immediately to fat on their body. Yeah, you know, and it's just this thing that they can't quite get out of their you head. You know,
1: you know, the big one for me now that that I I <clears throat> I hope society is finally coming around to it, but I've been arguing it for twenty years or more. Is this idea that uh, everybody died young in the hunter gatherer times, pre agricultural times? Mm. That you know, we only lived to thirty five, so of course, you know, our backs aren't designed to last seventy years. That's why we have back problems and. <laughs> You know, that's why we're all getting our knees replaced. Because those knees, they're only designed to last 35 yeah. years. That is bullshit, people. Even if Dr. Phil told you that. It's <laughs> bullshit. <laughs> Humans live into their 70s. Mm. Babies die. Lots of babies died in hunter-gatherer times. And so that's if you average it out. You average it out, you get 35 or 40. But that doesn't mean that anyone has ever been old at 35 or 40. No yeah. human
0: being, you know. You, is get, at, you do get that. Th- well, no one lived past 30 and know, everyone's so sure
1: of themselves yeah. when they say it and they're all fucking and everybody's wrong. like so
0: aren't things grand now nobody lived past 40 back then. right yeah
1: yeah no matter how bad things are now you have to admit we doubled the human lifespan and that <laughs> you can't take that away oh yeah yeah oh, you yeah. can oh yeah yeah you can't you can take that away yeah, yeah so that's a big thing i i really bang that drum in civilized to death the it it's we talk about it in sexodon but that was like sexodon to be honest was largely about sexuality but i was also using the sexuality to hold attention so i could slip some other shit in there mm-hmm. you know it's like giving a dog a pill you know mm-hmm. um and so we talked about the violence in prehistory and the um, uh you know health and nutrition and a lot of other things that
0: our favorite cereal maker just being a asshole jeez yeah (laughs) tell people about kellogg if they haven't read the book
1: so kellogg i think john harvey kellogg i think was one of the brother two brothers uh they ran a sanitarium in battle creek michigan and uh
0: sounds like a horror movie already yeah
1: well (laughs) So John Harvey Kellogg was this, I guess, is the 19 teens and 20s was the leading sex educator in America. And at the time, the major problem, this is before the war on drugs, there was a war on masturbation. Yep. People believe that masturbation sure. could literally kill you, that it, if you masturbated, it, it had um, toxic effect on your nervous system. Um, would lead to insanity and and actually dissolved the nerves in your brain and caused all sorts of terrible problems. So um, this guy, John Her- Harvey Kellogg wrote a book. Um, I forget what it's called, like the education and training of the youth or something like that. It was a bestseller. And in that book, he said that if your son your, um, touched himself inappropriately, what he recommended was that Um, doctors sew the foreskin closed on the little boy's penis using um, metal sutures and that it was best to do this without any anesthesia. So with a needle and metal thread, sew the foreskin closed so that when he got erections at night, it would be excruciatingly painful and that would teach him not to touch himself and as far as little girls who touch themselves inappropriately he recommended strapping them down and pouring carbolic acid directly onto the clitoris
0: that's like a fucking batman villain that's like batman villain level yeah Yeah. and and that's the
1: best sound that was the dr phil of his day
0: yeah and people are still eating cereal with his fucking name on it, yeah. You know, it would Cereal. be like it would be like fucking yeah, Hitler's jumbo hot dogs, right? You know, like what? No, we're not eating Hitler's jumbo hot dogs. Like, no, we're not doing that. Sorry, it's fucking. I'm going with ballpark. Uh, I'm not going with fucking. No, we're, I'm we're not gonna, going with fucking. We're going Adolf. kosher. Yeah, I'm not going with Adolf's fucking bratwurst. No, Adolf's bratwurst uh, is not fucking gonna be for sale here.
1: If Stanhope were here, he'd be <laughs> going nuts. I'm. I'm not going to say the things that Stanhope would be saying. Uh yeah, it is like that. And it's also, there's another layer to it, which is that that cereal that's being sold to kids, your Kellogg Sugar Smacks and Captain whatever the fuck, Captain Crunch and all that, is still child abuse. Yeah, true. It's fucking sugar and chemicals being sold as, you know, vitamin fortified bleh, 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 bullshit, making kids crazy and unhealthy and type 2 diabetes at six years old. So yep. Kellogg is a and fucking scourge, and not, not
0: provide all that low fat. You know, providing none of the substrate for the natural hormones right. that you actually need to have a healthy right. functioning hormonal system. It's like it's just all, it's it's a nightmare. all. And didn't he also? Wasn't he also like getting like fucking daily enemas Enimas. by some young man like yeah. shoving a fucking hose up his ass right. every day? Right, and he
1: never, he, and he bragged about never having had sex with his wife. Ever. Yeah, he wrote that book about torturing kids on his honeymoon where he was not fucking his wife. So this gets to another sort of (laughs) overriding theory I have, (laughs) which I might develop into a book at some point, or maybe I'll just keep yammering about it on (laughs) podcasts, which is so much easier. Uh, I I feel like, and, and I got into this a little bit in civilized to death civilization. If from my perspective, Western civilization is a pathological social structure we are destroying the planet we live in on we're destroying each other we do all this crazy shit to you know hurt kids and send people off to wars they don't understand and you know the majority of our resources are going into building these supersonic fighter jets that for wars that are never going to happen cuz you know how is the soviet union or the russia attacking us now well they've already taken over the fucking country and there are no tanks or
0: aircraft carriers no. involved. I mean there's some really interesting <laughs> shit going on and we're never we've never been in a war with anybody any country that's had a McDonald's and I fucking promise we never will. Like at the point that like we're that integrated? Yeah. It's not going to happen. Well, not a shooting war.
1: Cuz shooting yeah. wars don't make sense anymore. No, it well, doesn't make sense. Why anymore. would you want who, who wants our land? What they want is our resources. So if yeah. you can take over the business and you can and the business can take over the government, which it's already done, then there's no need to send a fucking army anywhere. Like, mm-hmm. what's the point of that? Anyway, um, if you start from the, the this premise that Western civilization is essentially a pathological social system, and you look at who rise what individuals rise to positions of prominence within that system, you would expect that they will be individuals who uh uh, who who embody the pathological principles of the system so in other words harvey weinstein uh donald trump what politician is a cool dude
0: yeah, if you're a cool dude, really a lot you don't really want to be mm-hmm. in a position of great leadership. Knew that even back in like the ancient times, like you you watch, you talk about like in the Roman ethos, like it was always the farmer who was done with politics. And they're like, please come back and be our right. general. He's like, no, I'm right. I got these olive trees. And right, I'm, I'm done with here. that. I'm yeah. done with that. And it's same with like George watch Like, hey man, like right. we need you. Like, please, like you sure? Yeah, and it's this and then he's call. out, and then it's this call to service. Like, yeah, okay, right. Here Reluctant I am. Sh- leadership. Reluctant leader. Yeah,
1: and it's the same, and that actually is a replication of hunter-gatherer approach to leadership. So there's a section in Civilized to Death where I talk about politics, and in po- in hunter-gatherers, the way politics works is like that. Someone is respected. Someone's in a position of leadership because they're respected. Mm. You don't go, "Hey, everybody, <laughs> respect me." <laughs> If you're that kind of person, everyone just thinks you're pathetic and ridiculous. So it's yeah. the opposite of being a leader. You're you're considered a loser. So it, it's everything's become flipped around where we have these people who rise to positions of prominence who embody the the nightmare, mm. right? So, I mean, there are there are exceptions. You're doing really well, but you're also a very thoughtful person, right? On sure. it's doing well that's exceptional i think obama was a smart cool guy who somehow ended up being president we can argue about you know his policies and all that but i think i'd have a good time having dinner with obama sure. i could hoop you it know? up with him yeah I'm disappointed sure. a lot of the shit he did like, but so like- of course but like you look at his wife and his kids they're legit people and they yeah. love the dude so he's not an asshole right you know he should have just legalized weed he could have just fucking gone out dude there are a lot like, of things he should have done yeah, yeah for yeah. sure but anyways but anyway my point is that that most of the people who are driven to succeed are fucked up i'm very deeply suspicious yeah. of ambition because if you are healthy you get to a point where you're like i got friends i got a nice place to live i got food i can travel i'm done why yeah. am i gonna get
0: up and go to work seven days a week fuck that you know what i've actually seen the most of is i've seen that typically there's some kind of traumatic incident that happened that they're kind of some way that they've needed to prove themselves and prove themselves worthy of love some right. parents shit some other right, shit right. But, but the thing that i'm encouraged about and it's probably a microcosm because i'm interacting with these people and if i'm interacting with them they have to at least have their mind a little bit open but like through psychedelics and through other things a lot of the trauma is starting to be kind of worked through and as the trauma in these people are worked through they have these big ass platforms and then they're starting to open their heart and then they're starting to reflect on their ego and so i'm hopeful that as we start to infiltrate into these structures and these people start to realize like oh wow i got this way being a dick trying to prove to my dad who beat me with a fucking stick every day and moved around as in the military that i was actually worth something that's why i did it and this mad rush to power was what made me but now i'm waking up to that and i'm actually forgiving my father and i'm actually loving people and holy shit i got all these resources what am i going to do with them now right you know and i think hopefully that's the place that we get to so that these people with this aggregation of resources we can switch them on then well maybe we'll start to do some good and maybe we'll start to actually do probably the only thing that civilization was really helpful for and i think like the the final purpose of humanity is to preserve us and the planet to help smooth out the cataclysmic nature of earth right like that's what we should be directing our efforts towards to like creating time capsules in places because every fucking 25,000, 12,000 years whatever the earth shudders like a wet dog <laughs> in some way shape or form and everybody gets fucked up like hmm. like what we should be doing is like okay let's get civilization high enough so the technology is enough that in one way or another we can at least kind of preserve this shit or kind of mitigate that but we're not even focused on that at all we're still fighting each other and fucking off and making cool jets and like yeah we're not really preparing for what the next shit is going to be because the earth is going to do what the earth does and it's yeah. going to fucking shake yeah and that's like we got to get ready for that
1: you ever heard of the fermi paradox uh-uh. enrico fermi was uh the, the godfather of the nuclear reactor he he designed uh the first nuclear reactor in chicago i think and then he was working on the what was it called the alamo project uh you know the first nuclear bomb oh los alamos that mm-hmm. was where it was um and uh so one day he was at lunch with his physicist friends and they were talking about uh the likelihood of extraterrestrial intelligent life and he was doing some calculations on a napkin he's like okay well we know there are this many stars in the galaxy and this many planets within an orbit that uh where life could exist you know temperature range and light range and we know this and we know that and there's a certain percentage of them have water we believe and we don't know so he did all these calculations he ran them out and they're you know 10 to the XXXXX x um planets that should have life so where is everybody right and and you figure half of them are older than us and half of them are younger than us. So eliminate the half that are younger, but the half that are older, where are they? They should be reaching out or showing up or sending signals or something. And there's nothing. We haven't
0: found anything.
1: So maybe, but well, nothing that's been confirmed. (laughs) I don't know. For sure. What the Marfa lights, what what are we talking (laughs) about? I don't know, man.
0: I think there's some sketchy shit that's going on. I'm not sure. I'm not like fully going to buy that. They haven't reached out. Well, nobody has said like, we're
1: here for sure. You know, for sure. Uh, So the Fermi paradox is where is everybody? And the answers, the most popular answer, because, you know, Elon Musk has thought about this and Bill Gates and, you know, all these, the the kind of people you're talking about who maybe Mm -hmm. will get their shit together and and help us. Um, A lot of them have talked about this and some of them think that there's what they call the great filter which is that there's something inherent in technological development where the technology advances faster than the intelligence mm. of the species and the consciousness so it gets yeah. too far out ahead and we blow ourselves up you know we destroy the planet we have all these nuclear weapons eventually some of them are going to go off something's going to go wrong we contaminate or the you know we get a we, we do this uh dna fucking around with the dna CRISPR. And, CRISPR, and we create a you know a, a pandemic or whatever. Um, so within this sequence, there's like a time bomb that goes off mm. before
0: anyone can reach out. So it's interesting. I mean, we I certain we've certainly seen that. We've certainly seen technology advance our level of consciousness and compassion. Sure, you know, and and yeah. if that is a universal law, I sometimes look at it though, and I'm like, but what if there wasn't these forces that retarded the ability for us to grow in spirit and compassion like there's been these large oppressive forces like capital r religion for example like suppressing genuine spirituality like genuine recognition of ourself as other and others as self you know and creating all of these this kind of conflict and suppressing science and and actually suppressing philosophy in a lot of ways like would we have been different or is this but then maybe that's always what develops maybe people always hijack fear systems and guilt systems and Mm. if you did this a million times these religions would have developed the same way and the technology would have developed the same way it's fucking interesting to think about
1: well i came up with a new answer to the fermi paradox and and that's in civilized to death nice and and since it's my habit of saying shit that i should not say (laughs) and just you know and get people to go buy the book, but by, by the time it comes out, you will have forgotten this anyway. <laughs> let's be honest. Uh, I'm, you know, desperately trying to look for a upbeat way to end the book. Right. So what I came up with was <laughs> cause it sells better. <laughs> Got to get it out before Armageddon. Uh, the, the thing I came up with is you ever read Joseph Campbell, uh-huh. a hero with a thousand uh-huh. faces, right? So Jung talks about this and Campbell wrote about it. This idea of the, um, the hero that goes out on the journey, all the stories are the same in every society, the hero, the, the, the young man or woman goes out on this journey. They have these experiences of um, growth and insight and challenges and all that. And they're looking for something, right? They're looking, they're trying to find the Holy grail or they're trying to find whatever Mm it is. And, they don't find it, but they end up going home. And when they get home, they realize that what they were looking for was there all along, mm-hmm. but they couldn't see it because they hadn't had those experiences, mm-hmm. right? So that's sort of the sort of the basic classic central classic story, right? So I applied that to civilization and said, what if civilization is the hero's journey? What if that's what Western civilization was? What if we got to a point now... And it feels like it's ending now, right? It feels like some there's a
0: big turn. We're approaching. I think it would be approach of the inmost cave. Like we're in the shadow right now. Right, we're having to face our. Or if you think of it as a
1: journey, it's like this is the point where we're furthest from home, and we're turning back now. Yeah, because look at what's happening in medicine in diet, in exercise, like a lot of stuff you wrote about in your book is about returning to a primordial mm-hmm. way of living. Mm-hmm. Communication with our, our partners, our sexuality, sexatons about, oh, let's look at sexual sexuality from a prism of the way we evolved. Darwinian medicine, paleo diet, CrossFit, all these things are saying, okay, how did we evolve? How did this species evolve? And let's look at that as a way to figure out the ideal way to live now, right? Try to integrate that into our modern lives. All these things are doing that. And I think that the reason for that is that we understand that the best place for us to be is where we came from. And so the Fermi paradox gets explained for me by saying a lot of them blew themselves up, but a lot of them probably got to this point, roughly where we are now, where they said, There's nothing out there. This is where we evolved. This is our home. Let's stay here and figure this shit out and take care of the planet and anticipate the cataclysms and try to preserve this fucking paradise because there won't ever be another paradise. Just like, you know, a dog yearns to run with the wolves, right? There's a reason for that because that's where we came from. So that's my explanation for the Fermi paradox that maybe all this struggle was for us to reach a point where we could take some of these pieces of technology and return to essentially a primordial existence, but with solar energy and, you know, some other birth control technology and so on.
0: I fucking love it. Give me a hug. Let's end this podcast. (laughs) That's fucking amazing. For real. Yeah, that's
1: awesome. Yeah, I'm not the guy you're going to look to for hopefulness, but <laughs> you did it though. I did it. did it occasionally. You I'll surprise it. you. Everybody,
0: yeah. read Sex at Dawn. Will look out for his new book, Civilized Death. Still called that. Still called that. Yeah. <laughs> Still called that. And fucking listen to Tangentially Speaking. Still called that. Still called that. <laughs> okay, yeah, cool. Thanks, man. And, uh, yeah, follow him on fucking everything but Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> thanks, everybody for listening. As always, you can go to onit.com/slash/Aubrey and save ten percent. For those of you curious, we're getting our Total Primate Care Packs back in stock. They're called Total Human now, and they have an upgraded and improved formula, including a lot more B vitamins from our active B formula. So keep a lookout for that. Keep a lookout for our new protein bars and bites. And in the meantime, enjoy all the great products we have available at Onnit at onitcom slash Aubrey. And for those of you who are interested in exploring open relationship check out the Open Relationship Guide. Go to aubreymarcus.com slash open and you'll see the resource guide that we have available there. A lot of information. Uh, It's an interesting and challenging road. So, you know, for those of you who are looking for a little bit more information and a peek inside the inner workings, uh, definitely check that out. Thanks for tuning in as always. Much love, everybody. Peace.